Coming up on episode 290 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Kia Nero EV, the Toyota Sequoia, the Mercedes-Benz EQE AMG, the Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe, the Kia EV9, a first drive of the Nissan Aria E-Force, taking a ride with Waymo in San Francisco, and the VW ID2 All concept. All that and more coming up next. This is episode 290 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abul Samad from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakelin from Newsweek's Fast Women podcast. And I am Roberto Baldwin from, uh, let's say, The Verge. I don't know if the articles went up, gone up, but I just wrote something for The Verge. Okay. <laughs> that counts, then. That's enough. I just, I just you've written stuff the for The Verge before, so there's I stuff have that's live. Yeah, so we believe you. <laughs> a, they, they, have, so they have a bunch of it. They have like four or five, three? Yeah. I think they have three articles that I know are live. Maybe four. Okay. <laughs> All right. Nicole, what have you been driving? I am driving... <clears throat> The Jeep Grand Cherokee Summit Reserve 4xE. It's a big name. It is. It's hard to it's hard to fit on social media posts. I'm like, that's too many words. It's like this. You can leave out the trim levels. Just say Grand Cherokee 4xE. 4xE. Um, so I'm driving that, which is not an inexpensive car. So the base price on this is $72,595. And with all the extras on there, it's $81,380. So it's almost, it's pushing $82,000. So it's not cheap, but. Well, I don't think we have any inexpensive cars this week. I know we're, I think, yeah, my, my, I think am I actually, bonkers. am I actually the, the like hoi pole car? Am I the cheap one? I might be. I have, yeah. I have one cheaper car. Okay. And a Robbie's got more expensive ones. He nah, kind of figures it. out how to read the Monroney. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. Give so, me one. <laughs> you have to build it. It's so hard. So that's what I'm driving this week. I and I I like this. I mean, I already like the Grand Cherokee. I think it's a good vehicle, and I, it does that neat Jeep thing that is a Jeep thing, where it's, you have this beautiful SUV. I mean, this has all sorts of cool stuff on the inside. This Summit Reserve trim, it has leather seats, and they're quilted. It's actually, I think, P- Palermo leather, which is the coolest of leathers. Is that I better think. than Napa leather? Which Wait, is, is better? Is Palermo better than Napa? Actually, is let me rephrase that. Is there even such a thing as Palermo leather, or is it just a marketing term like Corinthian leather? Okay. Is it from Palermo? Well, you know, do they make I, leather in Palermo? Palermo? Okay, wait. Well, you guys it riff on Palermo. that. <laughs> <laughs> what is Palermo? Palermo? What is a small workshop in? Oh no, that's a Palermo leather workshop. I think it's real. You must make it there. Though. Oh, okay. Is Palermo it actually leather. in Palermo, Italy? It's, it's listed on very many things. I Googled Palermo leather and I got a million different things that are Palermo leather. I don't know. I feel like wait it's a minute, I'm going to very many things. I'm going to wait. What is, here we go. Wait, what is Palermo leather is a thick le- leather of high quality with a fine grain. It is very fine grained and elegant. It is just provided. This is clearly not from, oh, it's from an Australian site. Doesn't sound like English even. It is just provided with a slight and transparent finish so that the natural charisma is maintained, but is protected for everyday use as well. That charisma. Charisma is AU, isn't it? Dot AU. Is that Australia? Yeah, that's that's Australia. Okay. Yeah. This is this is the cur, cur, something coriumleather.com.au. That is the first search result. <laughs> so there you go. It's a real thing. So okay. anyway, um, I'll take your word. Maybe- 
Maybe from Australia. We don't know. Maybe, maybe it, from Australia. If it's, if it's really on sure. the internet, it must be true, right? Oh, no, this one says, now the next one, tanned in northern Italy on large-scale English oh. bull hides. I think what we have established is we don't know exactly it's what it probably, is, but it is real. It's probably an Australian distributor for Italian for the, leather. For an Italian, Italian. leather. So it's I'm an Italian leather. Let's just say uh-huh. Italian leather. Okay. Okay, so the Jeep Grand Cherokee Summit Reserve 4xE has Italian leather inside. Um, It's 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 very lovely. It has lots of quilting, like it's even on the door panels. Um, It has that very sort of premium look. And this also gets real wood trims. It's along the dash. Um, It's even some on the steering wheel. So you definitely have that sort of more premium feel to it. You know, it's that's, you know, $82,000. You got to have it feel like it's something. Uh, you can't have it not look like an $82,000 car. And it does. Um, and you've got, I love that the rear seats standard, you have the quad zone automatic climate control or whatever. You, so the rear seat passengers control it themselves because you can never get everybody comfortable. I want everybody in a big SUV to have their own climate control because when they're tiny cars, probably the front and the rear passengers aren't going to notice that much of a difference. But in a big car, the front seat passengers can be like roasting and the people in back are frozen. So um, I think it's nice that you have that sounds like a silly thing until you've been stuck in a car where people are fighting over that kind of stuff. Especially if you have Palermo leather. You don't want to be cold or too hot with your Palermo no, I mean, leather. Who wants to sit on cold leather? You ever did that? You're like, oh, it's... Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Or 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 hot leather is too hot as well. Right? Yeah, when you're wearing like shorts, you just it has to be the right temperature. So you get all of the you get a chin point one chen. 10.1 inch infotainment touchscreen. It's got the usual like Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. Um, you've got white, you know, 4G LTE Wi-Fi connectivity. Um, it has a really cool, and I think it might be an extra. I'm double checking right. Yeah, yes, it is. A 19 speaker high performance audio system. It's the Macintosh audio, which has such cool, like Ooh. the little, yeah, it looks it Did just you turn on neat. the gauges. I did not turn on the gauges. I know I should have played around with the gauges. I didn't play with a little gauge because then I get distracted. I'm like, Ooh, the little meter is watching the sound bounce back and forth. Um, So, I mean, this is a pretty well equipped vehicle, even before you add on all the extra stuff. Um, And the thing about it is it's, you know, because it's a Jeep, it balances really well between having, you know, it's a large two row SUV. It has, um, you know, plenty of room for everybody. It has, good features and it's really, really off-road capable. Like you can, you can genuinely take this off-road if you want to. It's not something that, you know, you can do in every car. And a lot of the cars that are really off-road capable, there's a lot of brands out there that say they can do it, but they can't. Um, and sometimes you have to get really, really pricey before you can do it. You know, you go up to Land Rovers and stuff that have, you know, that comparable, like heavy duty off-road capability, as opposed to sort of like a halfway kind of off-road, like we can take you across the field to your kid's state fair field trip but we can't really take you beyond much past that like if the uh, kids are trapped like in the in the wilderness that you're right. not going to take them but if they're trapped at the fair then you're good you can go pick good. them up at the fair but if they're trapped in like a log cabin in the middle of nowhere say goodbye to your children yeah, yeah. um so see this will save your kids so buy you can make more right <laughs> you can make more um and because it's a plug-in hybrid you do get better fuel economy than you would with just a straight gas engine. So this goes for 26 miles per charge um, on electric only, which is not as good as some, but it's not, it's not fabulous, but it's not, I mean, I'll take the 26 miles, you know, it's a big, it's a biggie. It's a big, she's a big little car. She's big. So you're not going to get also, you know, I mean, compared to a gas only Grand Cherokee, even when you run out of that 26 miles of electric range, that hybrid's going to be a lot more efficient than either the V6 or V8 Grand Cherokee. Right. 
So yeah, yeah, this gets what overall what it's saying is the gas and electric combined is 56 MPGE gas only. It's 23 miles per gallon. So you're getting good. I mean, you're getting exceptional. That's, food. that's three miles more than your Wrangler. It probably is a little bit more than my Wrangler. My <laughs> Wrangler's older. Um, it's not as efficient. It weighs. It, I don't know it, which weighs it, more. Does the Wrangler Rubicon weighs? Oh, once you put oh, all the oh all yeah, the Rubicon. Once you put all the Rubiconness on it, you it's once you, once you rub it up. <laughs> once you Rubiconize, is that a word? Rubiconize it. Well, you, you also have to keep. You also have to keep in mind that the. Uh, the aerodynamics of a Wrangler are oh, it's just a, slightly it's just less optimized a than a Grand Cherokee. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, just driving down the road with, with a box on top of a smaller box with a smaller box on top. A box yeah, on just, top of a box, and you, yeah, yeah, and then you remove pieces of it, and then your box has open air and is even more airflow oh. issues over it, and yeah, so it is a very inefficient but fun box to drive. Yes, this is slightly um, slightly more efficient and more aerodynamically designed. So I like the Grand Cherokee. I I mean, I think it's a good choice if you want that sort of rugged ability. We had it, um, we got 14 inches of snow. We had a nor'easter that hit. And, you know, especially, you know, people think of it just as an off-road vehicle, but Jeeps are hugely popular in New England. That's a large part of the reason why when you get 14 inches of snow and you have to get into or out of your driveway, and it's not so much the snow that's on the road, although that's great to have that kind of capability and the extra ground clearance, but it's that snow bank that's at the end of your driveway or the snow bank where the plow, yeah, where the plow has like gone by and you have to cross out into the main road and you're like, there is now three and a half feet of snow in front of me. How do I get through this? Because they will go by inevitably. You're at a stoplight, like coming out of the grocery store. Plow comes by. You're like, well, now what the heck am I supposed to do, right? (laughs) That's it. It will get you through that. You will get through that kind of thing. So it's a great vehicle, whether it is the off-road part that you really want for off-roadiness, or if it's just that you want something that's capable enough to handle really, truly deep snow so that you don't get stuck or think like, I can't go out today because that plow could come by any minute. So I'm I'm a fan. It is pricey. Like I said, it's eighty one thousand equipped like this. But if you get you know the base on this is seventy three, so you can get a. It's still a premium price. But when you you know it's not outrageous given what it can do because you're getting that capability that you don't get with every SUV this size. So um, according to uh, the car comparison thing on KBB.com. The curb weight of a Grand Cherokee 4xE <laughs> Summit Reserve SUV yes. is 5,507 pounds. Okay. The Jeep Wrangler Unlimited 4xE Rubicon Sport Utility four-door SUV is 5,222 pounds, so almost 300 pounds less than the Grand Cherokee. Okay, so 300 oh, pounds, so seven. not a not a huge amount less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not much less. Jeez. And also... That's- a way box. smaller <laughs> yes. and a box yeah a little bit less and it's a box <laughs> and it has all kinds of appendages sticking out you know that stick into the air and random bits and, and pieces and yeah. great big wonky fenders and yeah yeah so all sorts of stuff that like every engineer is like no the aerodynamics don't kill it too bad it's a regular <laughs> yeah uh excellent all right robbie what do you got so i drove most of the week <laughs> <laughs> the whole uh, uh 2023 amg eqe sedan so this is their uh their their electric performance eqe um i actually li- i like it better than the s the eqs really it's smaller it just feels it, it it's it feels lighter it feels a bit more nimble it still has all-wheel drive 
or all wheel steering. Well, it has all wheel mm -hmm. drive, obviously, but it also, but also has all wheel <laughs> steering. So it's already a, like a bit smaller, and then it just feels smaller when you go around corners. Um, I tend to like smaller vehicles overall, to be honest, because I just like the the little nimbleness of a of a vehicle uh, versus sort of this big hulking thing. Um, you get and really you get most of the EQS that you know stuff that you're you're going to get anyway. Like all the stuff that you're going to use like all the time, it's already on the EQE. <laughs> so I I like this car. It's quick. It has some insane amount, 701 pound feet of torque, and then it has a boost function where you have 738 pound feet of torque. So it's just Ooh. like woo. <laughs> it's uh so yeah, it's fun to drive. Wait, um, how's that go again? What's it like? Woo! Okay, just double checking. Um, I I I do wish that Mercedes had gone to an 800 volt system. This thing's only going to charge at 170 kilowatts but that's i mean i mean I, I, well the reality is that's probably all you're ever going to get out of most electrify america <laughs> stations anyway <laughs> yeah, it's sad because yep. it's true <laughs> but yeah you, you know what you're fine you can just, <laughs> um so i i drove this and before i could do any actual testing i, I had been driving it back and forth to napa um i uh it has the the one i had um has uh these uh these extra, these fancy, expensive 21-inch AMG Y-spoke wheels. They're in black. So your sidewall is like, I don't know. It's just, it's just like they just stuck a belt. <laughs> About like a quarter a of an inch high. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is great, you know, 90% of the time in the Bay Area. Uh, the Bay Area has been hit, getting hit in a lot of rain. And that mm -hmm. rain means that the little pothole becomes a big pothole. And I was driving this vehicle to uh, drive, to go and drive around in the Hummer EV SUV. And on the way, it was dark because I had to get up really early to get there in time. And there was a, uh, there was a pothole that I didn't see because it was shrouded by rain <laughs> and darkness. Oh, no. And I busted the, I didn't break the wheel. The wheel was fine, but the tires shot. So I had about a four inch slice in the side. In the sidewall, I'm familiar with so, that problem. Yeah, so I'm just like I'm driving, and all of a sudden the car's all bim, and the it pops up the the um the tire that how much pressure you have in each tire, and each tire is like oh 38, 38, 38, zero. Oh jeez. <laughs> That's and not so good. I, I tried using the Mercedes-Benz little uh, little little pump because I couldn't see the hole. I thought maybe I just de-beaded it a little bit and just kind of popped out. Maybe I can air it up because I'm in a hurry. That didn't work. And then they have like a little fix-a-flat that they give you that you attach to the pump, their little pump that they give you. And that didn't work. And I still couldn't because it was dark and it was raining. I still couldn't see the hole. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to drive across the street to the Chevron station, park there, and then use their, you know, industrial strength uh, – uh, tire, uh, tire inflator. And, uh, yeah, that didn't, that didn't, I, I, I put it in and you just, and I, just, and, I, and I look over and I'm like, Oh, and they're just shooting back out of my face <laughs> and it's shooting out the, you know, that white fix of flat goo, you know, yeah. yes. it's, it's like shooting that out. I'm like, well, that's, that's a problem. So that's that, that's how I ended my week with the, <laughs> G, um, EQ. I, I had to wait like three or four hours for them to be able to pick me up because it was too early. I tried to call. There's no one to call because it's really oh, early. No. The company's not around. I'm not going to call the guy and wake him up and be like, hey, I'm stuck here. You know, let, let him sleep. He's got enough deal in, to deal with. So I was just like, all right. And I had to call GMC and they were like, it's fine. Just get here when you get here. No, it all worked out. But if you have to be trapped 
in a car <laughs> yeah. in a rainstorm. Mm. A, a Mercedes is awesome. It's not a bad car to be <laughs> trapped just, in for Yeah, a I while. just put the seat back and I was and, and the, the Chevron station was a combination McDonald's. And I typically don't eat at McDonald's, but I'm like, hey, I'm here. I'll have a McDonald's. And, but I was waiting for it to stop raining. And my phone tells me when it's going to rain and when it's going to stop raining. And it kept saying it's going to stop raining. And then it just wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Rain forever. Rain forever. So I don't have – I didn't do – I wasn't was able to do Tuesday? a rain. That was on Tuesday. Yeah, it was on Tuesday. Tuesday was the, the really bad yeah. day, wasn't it? Yeah, because I was yeah. driving from, from Healdsburg back to San Francisco on Tuesday. Oh, that's morning. right. They canceled part of your drive. Right. Well, the end that was of it. that was the day we drove the day before. We drove the okay. area the day before, um, so we didn't have that problem. But yeah, I was that same morning. I was driving back to San Francisco uh, for some meetings, and yeah, it was it was coming down hard. They um, it, 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 yeah, it was not messing around. I know for Aria, they had like two legs to like two legs to your drive day, and they canceled the second part because they said it was really bad. Like, nope, there's too much flooding, and I kind of you know you always kind of think it's you know an abundance of caution. It's not so bad. Well, I happened to be the one who drove the day after this, and when I drove it, it was open and we could drive it, but there were just these flooded signs everywhere, like and you could see like still like mud that they had just literally like, well, we'll take a truck and push the mud out of the way, but we'll clean this up later. It was crazy. Like the road was just a disaster. Yeah. It was really I, bad. I, later that day out in the Hummer, um, I drove, I went to a road because they just gave me the Hummer because I was like off. I was off. I was off book by that point. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little behind went, schedule. I drove her, I took I took it to a road that I had already driven in with the Aria and the EQE and it was just there's nothing it was just dry road. Yeah. The day before by the next morning it was completely flooded so I had to drive and I unfortunately wow. I was driving the Hummer the SUV and I was just right through. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that violates Te the uh, heavy enough that hydroplaning is not really an issue I take it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could only worry if there was enough water that it was deep and heavy enough just like to pick it up off the road and then you have problems. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it was we, we got a lot of rain. Um, so the uh, AMG EQE sedan, I'm, I'm hoping I'll get it back at some point in the future. Um, I, have, I have a very busy schedule so I can finish. <laughs> so so I, can finish. I, I think they just flatbedded it back to. Uh... Yeah, they just flatbedded it. And, and so now I have, you know, I have a bunch of other vehicles that are lined up. And so I have to like shuffle things around and, and whatnot but uh for a few days just driving around up and down to, to to napa and just around town it was great i really liked it um uh starting price is uh whew, 106 thousand nine hundred dollars uh with all the little extra bits uh 118,550 dollars um so yeah you're, you're really paying for that uh that fancy am genus um did y'all want to guess the destination delivery charge this is a mercedes let me remind you, this is a Mercedes before you answer. $995. I was going to go with $1,295, so I'll still go with $1,295. Oh, Sam, we get $1,150. Mm. So okay. less, than, less than you expect because they will charge more. Since I forgot to do it. <laughs> well, they make up for it on the MSRP. Yeah. What do you do. think it was for the Jeep, you guys? Oh, oh gosh. Uh, $1,600. Sam? Uh, $1,695, I think. Sam wins at seventeen ninety five for the Jeep. Oh, okay, so, yeah. I remember if it was sixteen or seventeen. Sam's was, on a roll, man. It was up there. <laughs> Stellantis is like you know they're they're, I know. they're the worst they're, on the. They're crazy. <laughs> our charge only twenty thousand dollars, but our delivery fees are eighty thousand. Yeah, eighty thousand delivery free fee, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can't give you the range either. They don't have the range hasn't been tested yet on this vehicle, so I. Yeah, sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry. Wah, Adequate. Wah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, I had before I went to California uh, to drive the Aria with with uh, Robbie. Um, I had the t- Toyota Sequoia, um, okay. and the, um, the Sequoia is quite large. Uh, it's a big honking SUV. Um, I mean, it's named with, after a giant tree. That's true. I want that in the ad. I want it to be like the Toyota Sequoia, big honking vehicle. <laughs> like, like, I would and, buy that. And it has a very, very large grill, uh, which we've talked yeah. about before in the context of the Tundra. Um, you know, it's it's based on the Tundra platform. Uh, oddly, this time, you know, the the, pre, the first generation Sequoia, when they built that, they put an independent rear suspension on it. Uh, and... Uh, you know, while the the Tundra still had uh, solid rear axle, this time uh, I think you know they probably figured, well, you know, we don't sell that many Sequoias compared to oh. you know the number of Tahoes and Suburbans and Escalades and Sierra and Yukons and everything that GM sells, or even the number that uh, that Ford sells of Expeditions and Navigators. So let's invest a little bit less. So they they went back to a um solid rear axle on this but it does have the same coil spring setup multi-link coil spring setup that's on the tundra so it's not too bad um and they you know they seem to have done a pretty good job on shaping the floor pan because you know one of the reasons why they you know companies that manufacturers have gone to the irs on the um for the the rear end of these big suvs is you know when you have a solid axle you've got to leave room for the axle to actually move up and down because the mm-hmm. differential doesn't stay in one place. It moves up and down with oh. the axle. And so, um, you know, that means the the floor where the axle is has to be up higher, which in the past has typically meant that, you know, on older generations of Tahoes and Yukons and Suburbans and Expeditions, you um, if you got stuck in the third row seat, you know, the third row was basically mounted on the floor and you had that very knees up seating position mm-hmm. and that was not real pleasant. Um, <laughs> in, in this case, you know, they've got the axle far enough back that they were able to shape the floor such that, um, you know, you still you, you have a more normal seating position. In this. So it's actually not really any worse than the previous generation Sequoia. <laughs> Uh, in in terms not any of worse. <laughs> not any no. worse. Well, it I mean, which, which, sucks, which is to say, it's actually you know, it's pretty decent. Slightly better. Yeah. No, it's it's, okay. it's about the same. Oh. It, it, feel, it feels it feels about the same, which is pretty good. There's okay. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with sitting in the third row. The downside, though, Uh-oh. is um, the um, the floor. You know, behind the uh, behind the seat, behind the third row seats is actually a pretty small area, surprisingly small area oh. uh, for an SUV this size. Um, you know, right now I've got a Rivian R1T, uh, R1S, sorry, in the driveway. And it's got much more cargo space behind the third row than the Sequoia does. The Sequoia's cargo space, um, you like, for example, you know, on some of the competitors, uh, you can put um, carry-on, you know, standard carry-on bags on their side, you know, and stack like four or five of them across, you know, on their side. This one is too shallow to put a carry-on bag on its side. So you have, basically you have to turn it sideways and put it up against the back of the seat. Uh, so there's not a lot of cargo space behind that third row seat in the Sequoia. Um, you know, the the rest, you know, this one was, had the iForce Max powertrain, which is their, their hybrid powertrain, uh, which has 
plenty of power. <laughs> There's no shortage of power in this thing. Uh, 437 horsepower, 583 foot-pounds of torque. Um, and uh, it's a similar configuration to Ford's power boost system. So it's a twin turbo V6, three and a half liters, um, and an electric motor sandwiched between the engine and transmission. Um, and, you know, roughly similar, I think the uh, power boost setup has slightly more power, slightly less torque, but it's it's in the ball. It's close enough to be a wash. Um, but the Toyota on the Sequoia and previously when I drove the same thing on the uh, um, on the Tundra, I was not particularly impressed with the fuel economy of this thing. Um, <laughs> it's it's rated it's EPA rated at 19 city, 22 highway, 20 combined. I never really got much over 17. Ouch. Um, you know, so it's not particularly good fuel economy. Uh, you know, it's got you know, plenty of towing capacity, though. Um, I think, you know, depending on the configuration, you can get up to almost 10,000 pounds of towing capacity. Uh, so it's in the, you know, it's comparable to the others. Um, the interior, you know, the front, the front row is basically the same as the Tundra. So you've got that nice big 14 inch touchscreen. Um, you still have some physical controls for, for some of the climate stuff. Um, I'm still, you know, I'm still not sold on Toyota's decision with their new infotainment, not to have any kind of split screen configuration where you can have map and media player on the screen at the same time. Um, but thankfully it does have support for wireless Android auto and wireless CarPlay, uh, both of which allow you to do exactly that. So, you know, you can you can basically ignore the Toyota interface if you <laughs> if you so desire. Uh, let's see, uh, decent audio system, twelve point three inch uh, digital cluster. The one I had was the Capstone, which is uh, Toyota's new top trim level for the the big pickups and SUVs, um, and they are. Uh, uh, it's it's got three zone climate control and. Uh, all kinds of other stuff, um, smart key with push button start. Basically, it's loaded with everything on on this one, um, and pretty much everything you could want is is in there. I can't imagine too many other things that you might want uh, on this thing, except maybe massaging seats. There's, I don't think there's no massaging seats. Uh, on the 20, second row, or just in general? Uh, just even even on the first row. Really. Uh, the uh <laughs> you sound so shocked really what it's kind like of madness is i mean you're, you're you're sort of like it's a third row and you're giving them the like this is the best of the best and everyone yeah. for best of the best like here's some massaging seats no, here's, no massaging they, they, they are heated and ventilated you know, do you so guys you get use that. the massaging seats in a vehicle like i use the heated seats I, all the time i, I, often do, you actually, do, you, I, do, I do if i'm them? on a, if i'm driving for more than an hour or so i'll, yeah. I'll turn on the massaging yeah. seats i, I think i always turn them on and then all of a sudden i'm like i'm tired of being poked in the back and the butt and the neck. I'm always yelling off. at the car to do it. It's just, come on, just keep going because it turns yeah. off because it doesn't. They don't. Oh, the want heated the... steering wheel does that. It turns off, and I'm like, no, my hands are not hot enough. Turn back on, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> and they turn them off, I think, just so you don't wear out the machine. Probably the little, the little yeah. uh, engines that are like. Is it like when you're only supposed to be in back? a like a hot tub for so many minutes before you get out? Is it kind of, yeah. You can only yeah. get the massage in a car for so long before they're like, no, you need to take a break and pay attention to the road and not be this comfortable. Yeah, stop, being, stop being so relaxed. Stop being relaxed. Get tense. Drive. <laughs> yeah. So that's the Toyota Sequoia four-wheel drive capstone hybrid. Um, price tag, total price tag, 
$80,906. So it's so comparable with the, with the Cherokee. Yeah. Or the right. Mm-hmm. What would you drive? You had a, yeah, I have Grand Cherokee four by Grand, Grand Cherokee. Cherokee Summit Reserve four by E. Let's get it. Does right. it have Does it have uh, massage seats? Because I feel like it does. Wait a minute, does it? I gotta look. Now I can't remember. Wait, I'm I'm searching the Monroney uh, massage. Passenger uh, Well, the Summit Reserve has also probably got the uh, passenger side display, which you don't oh, get. Yeah. It does. It does have the passenger side display. I didn't play uh, with the massaging seats because I'm not a huge. Oh wait, power. That's standard too on this trim. Power. Front passenger seat with back massager. There oh, you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. guesses on the uh, delivery charge for this eighty eighty one thousand dollar Sequoia. Fourteen. Oh, I was gonna say fourteen ninety five. I'm sticking with it. Uh, you win, Nicole. It's fifteen ninety five. Man, I'm on a roll of losing today. <laughs> I have been on the road since yeah. six a.m. Though that's my excuse. I'm just no. Nope, I'm taking this win. I beat you. I got road dumb. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Did you know you can support wheel bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. So I, I ha- also had another car that I was driving while I was in California that, you know, instead of um relying on nissan to pick me up at the airport and drive me up to hillsburg and then back again uh since you I did, called me i just drove you around uh, well, I, <laughs> but, I mean, it I mean you, you had some apparently. stuff to do you had some stuff to do on tuesday though and i had I had some meetings to attend to on tuesday um and so uh i got uh a kia nero ev um Ooh. the uh let's see it's it's the uh the nero wind or sorry no the wave the nero ev wave um, which is, you know, so this is the new Nero. A few weeks back, I had the plug-in hybrid. Uh, this is the battery electric version. Um, it's not, um, you know, it doesn't have the full GM, eGMP hardware platform in there, um, which means, you know, it's basically the same, um, same configuration that's in uh, Robbie's Kona EV and in the previous generation Nero EV, which is fine. Uh, it's a 150 kilowatt, 201 horsepower electric motor driving the front wheels, uh, 65 kilowatt hour lithium ion battery pack. Um, the uh, the charge port um, is in the grill, um, which a lot of people uh, seem to like, um, and you know makes it easy in most cases. You know to just pull up to a charger and, and plug in. You know you, instead of backing in or trying to find the right, and just pull right up to the charger and. Assuming you can find a charger that will actually work, um, then, then that, small caveat. <laughs> yes, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, the uh, uh, it only charges at 100 kilowatts um, maximum, so it's a little it's faster than the previous one, which was limited to 75 kilowatts, mm-hmm. but you know not as fast as you know some of the the latest and greatest. Certainly not as fast as you know the eGMP stuff like the EV6 and the Ionic Five. Um, but it's adequate, you know, and it's, it's a relatively small battery, so it doesn't really take that long to charge. Um, I, you know, I liked, I liked the previous Nero. I like this one. Uh, I like the size of it. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's slightly bigger, slightly longer than the, um, than the Kona, the first generation Kona, which means the back seat is a little more usable. The back seat in the, in the first gen Kona, um, is, is pretty tight. Um, this one, you know, is, is definitely much more usable. Um, 
the wave uh comes with a bunch of features like a power sunroof it does have a uh, vehicle to load onboard power generator uh like the egmp stuff um it has uh, a heads-up display um the uh memory driver seat and you know vented uh you know cooled front seats which didn't really need last week in california uh, <laughs> since it was <laughs> it was kind of cool Chilly. to begin with yeah. um but uh you know it also had um uh, the latest highway driving assist too which is their uh kia hyundai and kia's hands-on um lane centering system um and interestingly you know driving driving it back from um from Healdsburg back to San Francisco uh through some fairly heavy rain there were a couple times when um when the system actually even though you know hands were on the wheel system deactivated uh one time you know there was one time when i hit a puddle and i think it pro- at least on the the uh the left front wheel i think it hydroplaned briefly um which caused it to kick out of the highway driving assist and actually disable it temporarily um and also when the uh when the you know when the wipers were going you know really fast uh it also uh turned off the system but hmm. otherwise you know this thing is is generally pretty pleasant to drive one thing i noticed with this one though is you know when using the adaptive cruise control or the highway drive assist um it seemed to uh it was not as smooth in braking and and doing a speed control as i've remembered in the past uh, with the system, it was a little more jerky. So it seems like it would wait a little bit longer and then kind of get on the brakes harder. Uh, so it was, it was not feeling as seamless as, as I recall in the past. Uh, and in fact, in some cases, um, I had to just turn the system off because I was, you know, getting closer and closer to vehicle in front, even, even with the gap (laughs) set long, um, and it did not seem to be slowing down. And so, you know, um, I'm not sure if it was the radar or the camera that was getting obscured by the heavy, you know, by the rain, but it was, it was definitely not being as responsive as it normally would be. Hmm. Um, so it, it wasn't, wasn't what I expected, uh, in that respect. Um, the, uh, the one I drove also had the wave reserve package, which has uh heat pump, um, heating system, heating and cooling system, which is more efficient than a traditional resistive heater. Uh, and it also has heated rear upward seats. Uh, you get that for thirteen hundred bucks as an option. Um, overall, you know, I I generally like the Nero. Like I said, I, li- I like the size of it. Um, you know, it it drives pretty well. Um, you know, it's comfortable. Um, but you know, this one was pretty pricey. All in forty seven thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars. And be- why because did you buy that? I, Why I know. Would you buy that over the 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 EV6 at that point. When you're exactly. That yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. At that point, you might as well go with the EV6. You know, it's 253 mile range. Um, the uh, you know base EV6. That you know they dropped the the standard range EV6 this year, um, and the base EV6 is like I think uh, front and rear wheel drive is a little over is like 320 mile range, and it's about the same price, and. You know this. The, if you if you went for you know the lower trim level of the Nero EV, you can get that for about forty one. But the the problem is now you know with the IRA, the um, these are assembled in South Korea. They're not built in North America, so they're no longer eligible for tax credits. Mm-hmm. Which means that almost forty eight thousand dollar price is what you're going to pay. And 
you know, I think that that is too much for this car. Uh, much as I like this car a lot about this car, it's too much. Um, you know, even $40,000 is pushing it for, you know, for this car. I think, you know, it should be priced, you know, closer to low thirties at best. Um, you know, the one I had was white with the gray C pillar trim, uh, which some people don't like that look, the, the contrasting, uh, blade there on the C pillars. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, but, uh, guesses on the destination charge. Oh, uh, 1295. Robbie finally gets one. 1295. <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally, I'm a winner. <laughs> yeah, the Kona uh, is like starts at 33,000 cuz and they dropped yeah. the price a year and a half ago on the Kona. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, "Okay, well this is just a really cuz you know, I have I own the Kona and the Nero is is nicer." Yeah. But it's it is it like Eight thousand dollars nicer, <laughs> or nine thousand dollars nicer, more like fifteen thousand dollars nicer. Yeah, well, the I mean, that's a starting that's a starting price. That's yeah. a starting price. So, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this price point, I would have a really hard time recommending this one. It's, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get it on the on the lease where you can yeah. still get the seventy five hundred dollars. That's the trick. Yep, you get the lease, and then somehow yeah. I don't know. So, um, you know, driving this thing around, you know, I drove it, you know, into San Francisco and then drove over to the East Bay for a couple of meetings. Um, in San Francisco, I managed to get it to chart. I was at a uh, Whole Foods on Market Street where they have a couple of EVgo chargers in the garage, which is underneath the store. Um, and after trying to use my corporate credit card to charge, um, oh, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't accept that. Um, and it turns out, Turns out there was some nonsense with EVgo not being an approved merchant uh, for the corporate card, so it was getting oh declined. My God. Um, so I finally, I finally got it to work after a couple. Wait a of minute, attempts. it wouldn't. You're, you're, so this was a case of your company's security to make sure you weren't just like, you know, yeah, getting got, hookers and blow or something would not let you use the EV charger for your like, exactly. I don't know. EVgo sounds like hookers and blow. If you really oh, think about it, uh huh, that could be sketchy. That's oh, yeah. like, EV. I thought it was easy go. Okay, never mind. Whole different thing. Whole different thing. Whole different thing. <laughs> I, I you know, after I got home, I, I called up the the department that handles the corporate credit card program <laughs> and got got them to fix that. So hopefully I'll, that'll work in the future. Oh my but, gosh. Um, you know, and and even when I tried using my own card, it still wouldn't work properly at first. I had to try it a couple of times before it would finally go through. Then when I was over on the East Bay, um, I tried using another, after driving for a while, I tried using another EVgo charger. That one didn't work at all. I tried a charge point charger uh, near the, uh, the Facebook headquarters, park, in the Facebook headquarters parking lot. That one didn't work at all. Yeah. Did they all just not work? Do they give you weird yeah, messages just, no, or just, it was like nothing. nothing? I plug it in, nothing happens. <sighs> um, and then when I got back before I went to the airport and before I dropped off the car, um, I found another EVgo uh in um uh, San Bruno. Yeah, San Bruno. And that one worked. Um after it actually the first two chargers I plugged it into did not work at all. Um, okay. one, the, the connector was so hosed, it, it wouldn't even go in and click. Um, and then the other one, uh, it just, 
it wouldn't communicate wouldn't i don't know what was going on but just uh, nothing worked finally the third charger i tried at that location um uh, would actually charge it so it was quite annoying what's going on with ev go they are redoing a, a charging station near uh near my house and they 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 had three chargers there and you go there and you charge and it was fine and they're like oh we're putting in new ones and they, they seemed like they got to a point and then just nothing. I drive by it all the time and I look and I'm like, I haven't done anything in like two months. Are the chargers there or just huh. there? They're just there. They're just like, um, they got to a point where they were working on it and then the chargers were there and then they just stopped. And I mean, I guess you could say the rain, but I don't it's, feel like it. uh, it's, it's more likely some sort of permitting issue or some issue with the utility trying to get it hooked up and provisioned and everything. Maybe. Especially if it's Maybe. a higher power charger than what they had before. Yeah, I think they put in they're putting in a higher power charger. So. Yeah. Hey, it's next to a shopping place that I go to, so I always like those cuz I'm like, ooh, <laughs> and just boom, get a couple throw a couple dollars in there. Top it off a little bit. Top it off. Get a little something something in there. <laughs> a little something. <laughs> All right. Um let's move on. Uh but let's stick with uh a Kia EV uh yes. for now. Um the uh New York Auto Show is coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, one of the probably one of the highlights of the show is going to be the launch of the Kia EV9, mm-hmm. uh, which, Nicole, you have seen in person. I did. When they flew me out to Korea earlier this year, it was to get a first look at the actual non-concept versions basically of the EV9. They had a couple of them there for us to look at. They had them, the designers there to talk to us about all of the different design decisions that were made about it. Um, and yeah, it was great to get a first look at it. It, it Yeah. So I, I got hands-on time with the new EV9. Did they drive you around in it or you just like show? Nope. It there was no Aww. driving around it. We were not allowed to get, we were allowed to get in it, but we weren't allowed to drive around in it. They were just uh, static in the warehouse that they had taken us to. Um, so no driving around in it, unfortunately. Did you get to sit in the second row seats facing backwards? I didn't. I didn't play with the second row seats backwards. I sat in the third row. I sat up front and got to play around with the um, infotainment and to see the the, the three screens that they have because there's like a large instrument cluster. Uh, Then there's a large like like traditional infotainment screen and there's a little tiny screen like wedged in the middle that just controls. I believe it just controls the HVAC. Um, so you've got like this very long expanse of screens across the dashboard, uh, but they are very, like the clarity is really good. And the responsiveness is really good. That can say, you know, you, you touch them and you get exactly what you want the first try around. Um, so I liked how the screens looked. I like the layout. It has that same, you know, it has in the, in the vein of the EV6, it has that very open, very airy feeling, you know, it, it, it just, there's a lot of space. Um, and I did like that. It's a very clean interior like it's supposed to sort of highlight where they're going with design not where they've been with design so as much as ev6 is a little bit different than a lot of what the other vehicles that you see from kia ev9 then goes one step further um, in terms of their design language both inside and out Um, what i really liked and you kind of have to look like at a straight on like look right at the grill of this car smack at the grill and you notice it is, despite this being huge, it's big. They really sculpted it very straight along the sides. There's none of these like big flender, fender flares and big haunches. They kind of gave it a sort of straight look from the front. So it makes it feel a little less gigantic. Um, but then when you look at it in profile, you see all this sort of, there is some sort of geometric sort of sculpturing to the sheet metal. So it gives it a little bit of character. Um, and I also really like, they have these really 
funky lights, the front LED lights. It's sort of like a blade light that kind of goes along the front. And they say it's supposed to look like a constellation. So if you were looking up at Cassiopeia or whatever, and you connected the dots, that's supposed to be the idea of what it kind of mimics in that design. Um, so I, I wanted them to have a name. I'm like, did you name it? They're like, no, it's the star map constellation. I'm like, a name, gentlemen, give it a name. Nope, there was ah. no name. Yeah. So they had no name for it, which is disappointing. But they had it looks really, really cool in the front. And they even sort of slightly different, but the same idea in the back. And they say that's like one of those design cues that you're going to see that flowing through to the rest of the Kia lineup going forward. Um, I keep thinking of things like, you know, you have the Thor's hammer headlights on the Volvo that I just love how those look. And it's very distinctive. I think they're sort of going for their own the completely different look, but the same idea. It's going to be a distinctive lighting signature that when you see this, you're going to know that's a Kia. You're going to know without having to look at the badge or know exactly which car that you're looking at. Um, so it was really, if for us, it was really a study in the design of what they've done with this. I mean, they couldn't even tell us what the range on the battery was. So they were still very tight-lipped on a lot of details. They wouldn't confirm the screen size. There's a lot that they wouldn't say. So um, it was more a look at what they're doing. And it was interesting to see... Um, where they think the brand is going. It does give it this very clean, very futuristic look without being like out there. You know how sometimes it's almost like they feel like to make this feel like a vehicle of the future, we're going to make it a little weird. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not a little weird. It doesn't have to be weird just to be of the future. So I, I it really looked good. The quality was good. The seating was super comfy. Uh, so I, I'm, I like it and I cannot wait to drive this. I'm really curious to see how it drives and how it handles. Uh, they're, they're really betting heavy on this one. Like, it's not just, yeah, okay, fine. We'll do an electrical, we'll make it a through. Like, no, we're really going to make this something. So they're truly making this huge effort to make this so a big deal, I guess. They're, tell you, they're electric Telluride. It's like they're electric Telluride. Yeah. yeah, like the Telluride was a big deal for the gas. This is a big deal for Kia. Um, and they didn't, I don't feel like corners were cut. Like they kind of went all in with design. I feel like once we get all the numbers I feel like the numbers are going to live up to that too. I can't imagine they would have spent all of this time with all these creative and interesting and unique design elements. And then like, let's phone it in when it comes to battery. It's, you know, like, yeah, whatever. 12 I think miles. 12 miles. <laughs> suck Wait, it up, people. That's all you get. Um, well, I, th I think they've, uh, I was looking at uh, a couple of other reports, you know, indicating that they're, they're expecting it to have at least with the extended range battery, at least 300 miles of range. That's what we're expecting, for, but there's no, US. like, if you look, there wasn't, it's like, we think it'll have that. What yeah. will it have? Could have 12. Rob, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the 300 Finally. is probably a better bet, but it could be 12. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Robbie, finally, finally, you're right. Finally, um, right at something. Um, if this comes back at 12, we're going to hear Robbie screaming like, yes, from all <laughs> no, the way I'm not going to be, yes. Yeah, that means I have to drive a car with 12 miles. I know, right? <laughs> drive around the block. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's the review. <laughs> so it, so it, it is really, I mean, I really liked it. And I think it's, I think it's unique. I think people are going to really like this. And if the pricing state, you know, it, Kia tends to do that. We give you a lot of content for a very good price. If they can nail that as well. I What I think is neat about this is going to give families who want to go with an electric, but we're like, I cannot afford to get into a three. I can't afford to go into something big. I can't afford something like there's not options out there that are family three row EVs. This could be that it could be like the car. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right now asking me for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now, if you, if you need a three row SUV, you know, if you've got, you know, three kids or more and you mm -hmm. need that third row, but, and you want to go electric, basically the 
only options you have are really at the high end of the market, you know, right. like the, um, you know, like the Model X or, you know, the Rivian R1S or the, um, uh, you know, Mercedes EQS um, SUV. Right. And, you know, those, those are really out of reach for a lot of consumers. Yeah. So, you know, if you can, if Kia can get this thing out there, you know, if they can, if they can deliver, you know, a 300 mile range, you know, for somewhere in the, you know, say $60,000 price range. Yeah. I mean, that's still oh, man, far from cheap, a, but, but that's a big deal. That's It gets you a lot closer and a lot more people are going to be able to afford this. Yeah. I, and I think that's part of their moving the brand forward thing. It's like, we're going to continue to make affordable vehicles that are a great value for the features and, and what they have, but we're going to make it so that real people can afford it, that you don't have to be a higher income that you don't have to stretch your budget to the point that, you know, okay, everything I'm saving by, you know, the, the benefits of having an EV financially. Now I just kicked them all off the window because I had to spend an extra 20 grand to get this thing in the first place. I think this could be a, it really could be a game changer for, for Kia if they're able to do this. Um, and then I hope, and they have said nothing about this. So this isn't like something they've said, but you know, with production being still weird for everybody, nobody is quite delivering everything when production isn't quite what it's supposed to be. I'm really hopeful that the timing has all come together because it would be like nothing worse than doing all this. And it's like, oh, wait, we can't build them. It's yeah. I'm hoping they can build enough to satisfy. Yeah. Like, (laughs) come on, come on, can't make this happen. So I'm really, I really liked it. And I think that, you know, for so many reasons, this could be a really, really big vehicle for them. It looks really cool. It looks like it's in motion when it's just sitting there because it has those nice little, it's yes. it's like it's it's futuristic but like tasteful and not like over the top and and did you check out just, the wheels? I like note the crazy. I do like wheels. the little wheels. I do. They like had the yeah. they have two. There were two different. I think they show them both in the pictures. There were two different versions of the wheels that they showed us, and we we also like. So are those like some weird little? You're showing us these wheels, but no, again, like oh no no no, we're gonna have those wheels, and they're really funky. I like them, and they're very low profile still. You know, not all the bumps and you know the yeah. fancy twenty five different you know spindles and stuff to make them they're still nice and efficient in terms of their design they're not a wrangler of wheels they're they're the wrangler wheels they're nice and aerodynamic so but they look great they look they look really cool and they add some neat it adds some neat personality you know and you know this this whole swiveling second row seat thing i think is going to be really interesting um for for families you know being able to spin those second row seats around and face the third row, mm-hmm. um, you know, will be an interesting option, you know, for kids, you know, playing games or whatever, or just, you know, doing things on a road trip, keep them occupied. Right. Yeah, I know I like that, that really changes it. And that's different. You know, like I said, they did some really different, unique things with this. And I like that. I think the idea of that is cool. I'm curious how it would work out. Like you've got three kids in the car and you can spin them around. Are people going to fight for that second row even harder now? Kids, right? I want the spinny seat. I want to be able to spin oh, around. Absolutely, they will. That's going to make it like, is that going to make it better than shotgun? I guess when you're old enough to ride shotgun, you're like, no, I want, I still shotgun. want, I still want hey, the second row because I want the spinny seat. <laughs> at, at least, at least when you have that seat turned around, um, you won't have to worry about the kid behind you kicking you in the back. <laughs> that's true. They can just kick each other. Yeah, they can just kick each other. All they can Fine, have four like, kids back ooh, there. Maybe just, that's not so good. Though. Oh my gosh, you would! They're like, going oh, to so be screaming. Oh, you're going to be ah! kicking your brother or sister. Like you're going to. Oh my gosh, and think about that. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. It's going to be bruised. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, 
staying electric. Actually, we're pretty much all electric today. The reason that we were all in Cal, well, I mean, you're always in California, Robbie, or most of the time. But uh, the reason that we uh, that we went to California this week uh, was to drive the Nissan Aria E-Force. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we each had E-for- our opportun- opportunities to drive it. It's like um, yeah, it's e, it's it's not e dash four. It's like e and e the number four, four and then, then ORC. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't even notice that. It's the e. The there's no f. Four, it's just it's the e, e four right. ors. ors. E four ors. Oh, ors. okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, that can't be. They're wrong. No, we're right. We're right, Sam. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Okay. Or, or, so this is, yeah. the, the Aria went on sale in, in the U.S. in December. They, they mm-hmm. I think they've delivered a couple thousand of them so far. But those were all single motor front wheel drive variants. Yes. This is the dual motor all wheel drive variant, um, which comes with two different battery sizes, a 63 kilowatt hour and an 87 um, we only drove the latter. Um, and, uh, if you get the smaller battery, you get 335 horsepower and 413 foot pounds of torque. If you get the big one, you get 389 and 442 foot pounds of torque. Um, and, um, what did you think? I liked it. I think that, and you know, I, what I liked is they took us to a track to show us how, how their, their torque vectoring works. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone has torque vectoring. Mm-hmm. They're like, Hey, torque vectoring. Like, yeah, yeah, we got it. But the, the test that they have is doing where, you know, you, you start with the wheel at an angle and then you go through a turn while slamming down on the accelerator and the vehicle, not pushing, not giving you understeer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I like, Oh, this is good. This is, I think they've, they've done a good, a, a good thing with this because I, I, I don't care about, you know, for these vehicles, zero to sixty numbers. I mean, we talk about them, but not, not, they don't matter. Not, they yeah, don't matter. I mean, what really matters for, is for when you're driving. It's, it's just under five seconds. Yeah, which, which is, is fine. Fine. Um, but what really matters is that this vehicle, when you're driving around town and it's raining, because <laughs> yeah. they were they were wetting the track until we got there, and we're like, yeah, we don't have to do that. <laughs> um, you know, if you can, if you can, if it keeps you on the road uh better than say another vehicle that's that's a big deal especially you know you got your your family you got your kid maybe you got your friend maybe you got your dogs things that you love in the car with you and if the car can keep you from from sort of like you know that 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 terror of understeer because oversteer you're like oh i'm sliding oh okay i kind of had but understeer like you're like oh god i'm turning the wheel but i'm just going now you're just a passenger yeah it's somehow more <laughs> panic inducing you're like oh it Lord. is because you're like oh no because because <laughs> to get out of understeer you have to actually re like stop steering you have to like straighten out a little bit so it catches and then finish your turn. and, and, it's and all back like off the accelerator and yeah you have to everything like the like, oh. transfer under the front it's axle all, it's all absolutely everything you don't want to do when you're panicking because your car is not going the way you want it to go exactly. all the things your brain is like that shouldn't work it's like no brain listen to me listen to me if i do these things this will work yeah so so i like that um i think you know it drives nice it's you know it's at, at the interior is really nice mm-hmm. for, for for you know i, I think they've, they've they really you know Knocked it out of the park with the interior. That wood just feels really nice. The haptic feedback is it's good. It, you know, it's it's not great, but it's good enough. People are going to be like, "Look at this!" Mm-hmm. Something and and you have actual physical buttons button esques for like climate control and and so. But I what I <laughs> the most confusing thing was the lack of of one pedal driving though. 
I just I, I know. I, yeah, I can't I wrap my head around the 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 reasoning for that. They're like, well, people just don't kind of don't like it. It's too aggressive. And we're like, well, you could still give them the option. Yeah, <laughs> because they that's don't one have of the things to use it. Like, that's, you that's what settings are for. Right. That's what right. the like one of the things that people loved about the Leaf is like, have you tried this thing where you can pop, drop like you know, one pedal driving? And then Nissan's like, yeah, the thing that everyone liked and then everyone copied. Yeah, we're getting rid of that for the. We audience. don't want to do that. We changed our mind. Bye bye. What? Yeah, it's a little. It's a strange decision. I'm sure there's a there's a reason that comes down to marketing and blah 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 blah. But I yeah, it was kind of a weird decision. I would agree. Yeah, and then the fact that the center console moves backwards and forwards. I I I like that. But why? Because I think it's because okay. it looks cool. Because I was looking, I'm like, oh, there must be some some extra space no, underneath. No, but okay, so because no, it no, just moves back, and I'm like, wait. I like that. That's one of the things I like. So if you, so it has the center console, of course, it has your like cup holders and I think there's a spot for your cell phone or whatever, but the padding for the armrest is also on there. So if you're, depending on where you have your seat adjusted and your height, the, if it's in the wrong spot, if you have to pull your seat too far forward, uh, the armrest is behind you. If you're, yeah, you're a tall guy. So you probably like, if it's too, that doesn't happen. Right. You know what I mean? I'll, you're all I'll the way I'll give it back, up for that. But Right? But so if you're short and you, you move forward and you're like, it's weird. It's at a weird angle. I've had armrests where it's like, it's like, like two thirds of the way back on my arm. It's like an elbow rest. I'm like, that's not what I want. I want it to be for my arm. Scooch that forward. Bzz, now. It's perfectly aligned for me. And then when you get in, Robbie, you can move it all the way back for your giant size. I was moving it back. I'm like, oh, there must be some. And I've driven the car before. Yeah. Somewhere. I don't remember. And I, I I was too busy driving the car to like really like play with the arm with the center console. And then I was playing with it and I was moving it back. And I'm like, oh, there's got to be like some extra space under here. Like it's hidden space. And you get to it. Huh? I'm like, no, it's there's just to make it perfectly. So no matter where you position all the right. front seat, <laughs> you can make the armrest perfect for you. I like it. That was uh, one of the things I liked. Oh, the I like the drawer. I like the drawer. You well, hate I like the, the little drawer. No, I like the drawer. drawer. So I like the little hidden perfect, these... perfect spot for a cookie. It... <laughs> yeah, you can put your cookie in there. You can put your weed in it. Like all the things you so want to hide. Like, there's this two little buttons on the console. And you push them. And instead of having like under the center, there's still a glove box. But right under the center, you, it like, whoop, it like comes out. There's a lid and it holds stuff in it. And then you boop and it goes back. But the little lid serves as a table too. So if you were sitting, you could put like your drink or whatever. If you're sitting, whatever, it's like a little table. It's a little automatic deployable table and like drawer and hidey place for my cookies. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, you know what? The Pro Pilot 2, when it's when you kind of trick it into, because it was raining and yes. they told us if it's, if the windshield wipers are medium or above or above medium. I yeah. Great. Saying. More, more than intermediate, it more will, than yeah. intermediate. Then it, it turns off. It doesn't give you the hands-free uh, mm -hmm. portion of it. But when um, it was working, it worked. It, it, I, I place it in between better than blue cruise, but under super cruise. It's, it's, better it's not as, cruise. it's not as like agree. ping pong is but blue cruise, but it's not quite as smooth as super cruise. I think so that's good probably job. Fair. Good job on that. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's because Super Cruise is still like my favority favorite. I loved yeah. Super Cruise. So, and, so yes. Yeah, and the, the thing I, else. one of the things I really liked about their implementation of ProPilot 2. Um, so this is their, their hands-free system. You know, when, when we talked to uh, Kelly Funkhauser, you know, one of the things a few weeks back, one of the things that they talked about from their testing of driver assist systems and the reason why they, they rated Blue Cruise above Super Cruise is because, you know, it doesn't go just from ACC to hands off, um, but, you know, it kind of goes in stages. So you have hands on lane centering and then hands free lane centering. And this does the same thing. 
So when you press the um, the ProPilot button on the steering wheel spoke, um, at first it comes on um, in just ACC mode. And then depending on the conditions, it'll judge, you know, okay, can I do lane centering? Are there lane markings? Great. Turn, you know, then it goes to the, the lane centering mode with hands on. And then if it determines that it's on a highway and it uses maps, actually uses the same map database that GM uses for Super Cruise it's from a company called Usher. Um, and then, you know, if you're on a highway, it will allow you to go hands-free, but what they, the, the thing, the thing that, um, Nissan really did so much better than Ford is the, the HMI, the human machine interface. Mm -hmm. So if you have ProPilot 2.0, the heads up display is standard equipment on all the models that have ProPilot 2.0. And so you have the instrument, the digital instrument cluster and then the heads-up display, and they actually completely changed the color scheme based on the mode for both the, the cluster and the HUD so that when you're in that base lane centering or base ACC mode, it's a predominantly white color scheme. When it goes to hands-on, which is basically the same as ProPilot 1, then it goes green both in the cluster and in the HUD. And then when it goes to hands-free mode, it goes to blue. Um, which, um, you know, so it's, it's, there's no mode confusion. It's right in front of you there, you know, from the color, which mode you're in. Um, and it's much, it's much easier to tell what, what the current state of the system is than it is with blue cruise. And I think they did that really well and it, it transitions smoothly back and forth, you know, depending on the conditions. So, you know, as we were driving down the one-on-one, you know, when there was little or no rain or light rain and it was allowing you to go hands-free, you know, go to blue, go hands-free, just sit back, you know, keep an eye on the road, still got the infrared driver monitor camera looking at you to, you know, to alert you if you're, if you're not paying attention. Um, and then um, as the rain got heavier, um, then it would go back to hands-on mode. It would go from blue to green very easy to tell what mode you're in. And uh, then finally, you know, in certain conditions, it would be just ACC only. Uh, so I thought, it, I thought all of that worked really well, was really well implemented on this, on this vehicle. Yeah. I, I, I still kind of wish they put a little bit something on the steering wheel, but it's the fact that it's on the, the HUD and the HUD is standard. Yeah. It's like, it's, that's the best. They told us that the light bar would do it, but then the light bar didn't come on. I don't know what's going well, on. Well, the, the yeah. So the, there's, I think there's, it has to be nighttime. A, yeah. You don't, you don't really see it. There's an ambient light bar across the, all the way across the dash that matches those colors. And in the daytime, you don't really see it at night. Apparently you can see it. Yeah, so, I was trying yeah. to like I was like I was doing this where I put my cut my hand over it and turn the lights on. I'm like, oh, for that, because <laughs> I'm parked at that point. I'm like, well, this I'm, this isn't a real test. Yeah. So and then if you turn the lights on, all the lights dim. It's the, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I, no, I really, I really, I think, I think Nissan is is good for them. You know, they've been digging themselves out of a hole for the past year or so, and I think this is you know for for someone who, for for a company that had the number one selling EV in the world for a while. To just sort of like not do anything. I think this is a good return to them, to the EV world. Yeah. I mean, they were kind of first with, you know, first to market with a mainstream modern EV with the original Leaf in late 2010. And then they did nothing until late mm -hmm. 20 you know, for 11 years uh, or 12 years, you know, when they yeah. finally launched the Aria. Um, and, you know, unlike the Leaf, this one has a CCS charge port for DC fast charging instead of Chatamo. 
so now uh, Nissan is going with you know whatever is the local standard. So in Japan, if you buy an Aria, you get Chatamo. Here mm-hmm. you get CCS uh, Type One, which is what we use here. And then in in um, Europe, you get CCS Type Two, uh, which is a slightly different version for their three phase power. Um, the charging is not as fast as say ETF yeah, because the four hundred volt kind system. Of a bump. Uh, so it's only 130 kilowatt. Um, and you know, they, they quote, uh, for, uh, quick charge, uh, from, uh, from 10 to 80%, uh, it will go, it'll take uh, 40 minutes, which is more than twice as long as what is theoretically possible with the Hyundais and Kias. Um, that's the big drawback. Yeah. That's. But yeah. like, but you know what? I like the interior. This is really beautiful. The versatility of it, and I really liked how the all-wheel drive drove. I felt like it was much more fun to drive than the front-wheel drive version. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. like such. I wish they'd launched this first. Like because I feel like if you drove the front-wheel drive, you kind of went like, oh, okay, all right, this okay, is a fine. good, it's this fine. is a good return it's for them. Good. And then you drive this, you're like, oh, this is much you're better. Like, this one's someone, better. This someone, one I like. Someone deserves a raise. Someone deserves a raise. For the front-wheel drive, just don't fire him. For the all-wheel drive, give him a raise. <laughs> Everyone gets their regular bonus, but the front with the all-wheel drive. The they team, get a little extra. They get, get a little, little extra, extra and a party, yeah. a pizza party. A Probably, pizza party? Maybe at a maybe at a bowling alley. Pizza and cookies. Yeah. Pie. Or, there should or be a Chuck pie. E. Cheese. Mm-hmm. Chuck E. Cheese. But they bring in other pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and um Unlike uh, what, um, or like the like the Kia, because this is currently only built in Japan, no uh, no clean vehicle credits for mm-hmm. this unless you do a lease. Um, and then um, they, I have I've talked to Nissan a couple of times about this now, and they are looking at their future production plans, you know, as to where they're going to build stuff. And I think that there, if if this thing does reasonably well, I think that there's a pretty strong likelihood that they will add production of this uh, vehicle in Tennessee, pr- not before 2025, probably in 25 is when when they'll start building it here. But they are going to start building more EVs in uh, in North America, um, and I would guess that this will probably be one of the first because uh, this is you know this is in a market segment that you know is pretty popular. Uh, you know, this thing is, you know, same size, as, you know, roughly the same size as, you know, an Ionic 5, Mach-E, mm-hmm. you know, and a bunch of other vehicles. Uh, so I think that, you know, there there's a, a good potential for this thing to be built here and then get uh, get clean vehicle credits. Although they yeah. will have to resource the battery because right now the batteries for these things come from CATL uh, in China. And uh, so they won't be able to get any credits for that. So they'll have to get yeah. uh, batteries from a different supplier. They just, I mean, Nissan just doesn't have the 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 capital that everyone else has to like, oh, like like Hyundai's like, oh, you know what? We're just going to move up building cars in the U.S. now yeah. because yeah. we're doing we're doing pretty well. I think Nissan's like still like, okay, we gotta we gotta sell cars to build cars. We gotta sell them more. So you know, but I, this is this is a really good car. If you're looking for an EV, give it a give it a look. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And the uh, the stitching on the uh, the leather seats was also really nice. It was it looked it just looked good and and it, felt good. It does have a really good looking interior. I think it for especially for a Nissan. Oh, so nice! I think yeah. it's like, I like, like the it's little, a little the bit little, the little the little Japanese inspired like. 
Oh, I don't know. What they, did they had a name for that? They did have a name. Oh. And at one point they called it like Zen. And I'm like, I'm not putting Zen in an article about a Japanese car because <laughs> I, I'm a white guy writing about Zen. Why don't I put Samurai in there too? Some what other, did they call it? Because like, it's, it's all, it was such a neat little, yeah, they had a name for it and I can't remember. It sounded cool. Um, and none of us can remember, but it, it sounded cool and it also looks cool. So there you go. Whatever it's called, it still, still sounds and looks cool. Yeah. All righty. Uh, let's see. Where's the, the list here? Oh, okay. So when I did get to San Francisco on Tuesday, my first stop was to meet up with uh, a couple of people from Waymo uh, to go for a ride in one of their Jaguar I-Paces, um, which I haven't done in San Francisco previously. Um, and um, so, you know, there's, there's about a hundred and some of these driving around San Francisco has been for quite a while now. Um, and uh, this was, uh, there was, there were three of us in the vehicle. Nobody was sitting behind the steering wheel. Uh, it was, we were we just, mm. you know, we got in, they said, okay, where do you want to go? And I said, well, let's start with the Fillmore. And uh, so we headed off towards the Fillmore. And while we were on our way there, I said, let's make a stop at city hall. So put that in the app <laughs> and it rerouted, went to city hall and then went on to the Fillmore. Uh, it was all, you know, this was like, you know, 1030, 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, so, you know, fair amount of traffic in San Francisco, a mm-hmm. uh, little bit of light rain. Um, and uh, it just it just all worked really well. Um, I did notice in a couple of spots that it did seem to um, decide, yeah, you know, instead of doing a left turn here, I'm going to make three right turns. Um, which is fine, you know, because oh, it's safer to, do, to, the be right honest, to do, it's a, do the left. It's a San yeah. Francisco thing. Yeah. Like some places you just can't turn left. So you just learn how to do three rights anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, it's, it's safer. Um, and you know, in a city where there's a lot of traffic, a lot of times it can actually be faster, right. um, you know, rather than waiting at an intersection, you know, through three or four light cycles to, uh, to make a left turn. Um, so, you know, it, it all worked really well. Um, there were no issues with it. Um, you know, I know one thing that, you know, was different from the way cruise is doing it, um, on, on the cruise robo taxis on their, their bolts, they're not um, on the screen uh, in the back seat for the passengers. They show you where you are on the map, but they it's not showing you any detail about you know what the sensors are seeing, which is something that Waymo has been doing from the beginning. You know, they it shows you the other cars around you, mm-hmm. and you know other other companies do this too. You know, Tesla does it with their autopilot and FSD, and um, and and even the. Uh, uh, the Nero I was driving showed you the other cars that the cameras were seeing. So, um, you know, I, I like that one, one interesting detail during the ride, um, you know, for, I don't know, since about 2015 or 16, um, Waymo has had, um, microphones on the outside of their car to listen for emergency vehicles. So when they hear sirens, you know, then the sensors look to see where it's coming from, uh, and then it'll pull over if necessary. And it actually did that. We were, we were near city hall and a fire truck was going by um, sirens blaring and it pulled over and waited until the fire truck passed uh, and then continued on its way. So, you know, that was, that was a good thing. Um, it, overall, it was just a, a pretty uneventful ride right now. Waymo doesn't yet have a permit for carrying paying passengers in California. Uh, they're hoping to get that soon. Uh, they do have permits for carrying non-paying passengers as part of their early rider program. Um, and they also carry employees. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, they, they're making good progress. Um, 
you know, this this is something that is slowly becoming a real thing. That's really cool. That's good. I'm glad to hear that it was a positive experience. Yeah. All right. Uh, last item before we hit a couple of uh, listener questions. Uh, the VW ID2 all concept. Why they're calling it that, I really ID2 don't know. All? It just looks like that? it's ready to go. It's just ready to go. I don't know why they're saying concept. Like what? What is concepty about? It? They have like reflectors what on is it. Concepty. <laughs> like all I would the, like your look, conceptiness you, defined, please. If you look in the interior; it has like all the little buttons it's supposed to have. What is what is concepty about what is this concept-y? Well, Because the production version is not coming till twenty twenty five. I guess so. It's going to change between now and then. Yeah. Uh, well, probably change. not much. I don't think they're going to change much of anything. A little tiny bit, just a little bit. Perhaps put like a different like reflectors. It's like a skosh. Skosh. A Scotia change. It's going to come out as a pickup. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be a full-size three-row SUV. We made a few changes, guys. Whoa. (laughs) It's actually, this is actually going to be the Scout when it arrives. (laughs) (laughs) So they they claim that it is, uh, has as much interior room as a VW Golf, which is, that's more than adequate for for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, And, the really important thing about this is the price is supposed to be less than 25,000 euros. So about $25,000. Um, yeah. And mm, okay, so cheap. there's 280 miles of range with the WLTP cycle, which means about 230, I guess, with EPA. 230 for 20. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, bring it over here so people can buy it. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Give us one, please. Give us the two. Bring it to all. us. Try ID it. Two all. ID I two would... all. What is it? Again? I already forgot. The ID name. two oh, all. ID, ID two all. Yeah. Two Just all? call it the ID two all. Two all. Two all. What, what does that mean? Two all. Are we saying it right? Is it like the weird everyone. things like where force is like four ors, but it's force? What else could? Twall. Twall. ID tall. ID two. Two. two twall. No. Twall. No. Is it a name? Or are they saying two all? Two all. It's two all. It's for everyone. To all, all people, oh, all okay. people, everybody can afford one. All right, everybody yeah. can afford one. Okay, okay. So for all. So this this has a, a a new iteration of the MEB platform. Uh, it will be the first with front wheel drive. So right now, if you get a two wheel drive ID three or ID four or you know uh, Skoda or any of the other variants that they sell in Europe, um, the two wheel drive versions are all rear rear motor rear wheel drive. This one will have it in the front, have the motor in the front. Um, and, you know, presumably, you know, they will stack all the electronics and everything uh, in there in the front, which will provide, you know, probably for a little bit more rear seat room, um, you know, without having the motor back there. Um, 166 kilowatt, 226, 224, roughly horsepower um, electric motor, um, which, you know, I mean, you're talking um almost gti power levels there um and you know like like you said you know 230 240 miles of range for for 20 you know under 25 grand can't complain about that yeah that's a deal yeah are they are they are they just gonna like tease us are they waiting for people to say yes i mean i I have the story about how the id3 didn't show up here right I've, Mm -hmm. I've, i've i've said it on here where they they gave uh Volkswagen Germany told Volkswagen America they could have the ID3. All they had to do was sell twenty thousand units, and I and Volkswagen America is like, no, 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 no. We wanna we wanna make a big splash with the ID4 because that's the because that that crossover segment it's it's a big semix. So they didn't want to sort of just like, oh, here's the thing, and then here's our big crossover. They really wanted oh, to, to make the crossover the sort of the centerpiece, 
And so now that's why we don't have an ID3. But I mean, the ID2 all, I mean, other than like a, a uh, if they if they made it a cabrio. <gasps> <laughs> Robbie <Ooh>. loses his mind. <laughs> uh, I would, that, that could be fun. Right? That could be fun. Yeah. Throw an extra five grand on there. Cut the top off. But this, I mean, this is the perfect car for just cruising around town, taking care of everything. It's got lots of room. It has like because there's nothing. You could fit in the a couple back, of dogs in the back seat. You could put your dogs in the back. There's like a big like hole, like a big like cubby area in the back. Apparently, you can put a a, a, a carry on in there sideways. That's on cool. Its side and then some 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 milk crates full of some sort of. I know it's like German, what, what's with the milk crates? We're German, bringing. Is it, well, I mean, if you have a band, you're probably gonna have milk crates. Right? Yeah, but That's these true. are like full of water. Are they anticipating? Oh, you know what they're full apocalypse? of? I bet they're if they're it's German. They're full of apple juice. <laughs> oh, you've got Germans, it. You're right. Germans love apple juice. Uh, no, it's just, I mean it's got it's got the room people need. You could just cruise it around. You could put your dogs in it. I don't know. They they're like they're you know they're not going to say they're going to bring it here. Um, Do you think they will? I don't know. I probably don't know. not. Think, Unfortunately, probably we not. probably won't get it. Volkswagen's gonna they need to see somebody else do this is essentially what Volkswagen and, and Mini's doing it with the SE, but I mean the numbers and they just can't make enough. But the SE is a lot more expensive than this though. Yeah, it's more expensive. It has less range. Yeah. Um it's 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 a hoot to drive. But it's you know, it's it's but it's it you doesn't what, have though? the big numbers that, that that Volkswagen is gonna look at and say, Okay, there's a market for this. I'll I'll bet you, you know, with this range, you know, this four hundred and fifty kilometer range, you know, 230, 40 mile range, this is probably using at, and at this price point, it's probably using a lithium iron phosphate battery rather than a nickel rich battery, mm. um, which that would help them get the, the price down. Maybe, maybe they could, maybe they, maybe they would bring this thing over. Maybe I just, if they could figure, I mean, if they could get fleet, well, see the problem is you can't get like local, like government fleets to buy it. Cause it's not American. Right. But if they could get other fleets to buy it, like little. Like the, the 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 housekeepers, they all have like. I, I wonder. Cars. I wonder if the uh, the the Made in America rules for the uh, for the government fleets uh, allow. I, I can't remember if they're if it has to be in the U.S. or if it's anywhere in North America. Um, oh. oh, I don't know. Because they, you know, if they built this thing in Mexico, you know, where they where they've been building um, Jettas and and golfs, uh, you know, or the you know the wagons um, for long oh, time. Wagons. Yeah, you know, that could keep the cost down and help them help them hit that price point. But it could. We'll see. I mean, the concept that that the concept they showed at the Munich show was that Munich. I don't know, somewhere in Germany. It was, <laughs> so a little bit more, it was sort of outlandish and sort of. It was really cool, but I, I, I like the guy who who designed it got fired. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh! Like the, the Germans are like a little bit no. too cool. Yeah, it's a little too cool. I think this is more in line with what people would would actually buy. The other one was a bit more niche. I mean, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll totally buy this, but they're never going to bring it. This, on the other hand, I mean, I can see a bunch of people buying it. I get people asking me all the time. I just want a hatchback that I can drive around, and I'm like, well, there's the Golf, and there's the Golf. Yeah. Oh, have or you the heard golf. of the Golf? There's That's also it. a Golf. Oh, well, there's also yeah. the Mazda three. And the Mazda three. <laughs> yeah. And so a Toyota that, Corolla. You can get a Toyota Corolla hatchback. Oh yeah, the Toyota. Corolla but I would hatchback. take I would take this thing over any of those. Yeah, right. Yeah. I just plug it and drive it around. Put the dogs in the back. I can do band things in it. I can go to the <laughs> store. Man, I'm just sad now. I'm not even. Gonna, I'm gonna stop looking at it because it's just, every time I look at it, I just like, man, they're not gonna bring this to you. It just gets cranky. I do. I just get. I guess get cranky. I get cranky like when they took the wagon away. I was like, oh. 
<laughs> Every time. <laughs> I mean, even Volvo, like we tried, we tried, we brought you wagons and no one bought it, them. <laughs> you know, I would, you know, if it wasn't for Dieselgate, I would probably still be driving a VW wagon. Mm. Yeah, see? We would probably still have one in the garage. But, you know, we had to sell it back. Womp, so. womp. <sighs> Womp, womp, and all right. <laughs> Let's answer a couple of questions. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, first up from Amp Three Hundred, and this actually came from the Twit Discord, not from not from our own Discord, but from the Twit Discord. Ooh. Oh, that's funny. Um, and uh, it says we're we're in the market to buy a new family hauler by the end of the year, which is my non-committal way of saying probably a minivan. <laughs> Minivans are awesome. All right. <laughs> uh, we were initially looking into a Pacifica hybrid. Uh, plug-in hybrid, uh, as our daily, as our most of our daily driving would be less than the 32 mile electric range. We have solar panels at home and an EV charger available at work. And I've seen reviews indicating the Pacifica basically turns into a regular 30 mile per gallon hybrid anytime the temperature drops below freezing, because there is no EV only switch and it is designed to use heat from the ICE to keep the battery at normal operating temperatures. That combined with the latest recall in January and Chrysler's less than stellar reputation for build quality <laughs> and long-term reliability <laughs> are making me wonder if I should cross it off the list in favor of the non-PHEV Toyota hybrid. Uh, that would be the Sienna. Um, does anyone here have a Pacifica hybrid? Would you buy it again, given the recalls and limitations? So let me answer a couple of things first. Um, I, I'm not sure that it, first of all, you're right. There is no EV only switch. Um, Cause I think, and, and, you know, if you consider the fact that Chrysler has never really referred to this as a plug-in hybrid, they always refer to it as just the Pacifica hybrid. Because I think what they're trying to do when they launched this thing was trying to make it as simple as possible for people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not trying to, this, this is a vehicle that was not targeted at, you know, the uh, enthusiasts, like some of the people, you know, that would drive like a Prius Prime or something like that. Um, you know, they, they just wanted to make it as simple and, and as efficient as for drivers as possible. So you come home at night, you plug it in, unplug it in the morning, you do go about your way and, and don't even think about what mode it's in. Just let it, let it find its most efficient place. I, I have not had one in cold temperatures, so I don't know if it goes into, mm -hmm. if it'll go into electric mode. My guess is, um, if it if you use the preconditioning, which it does have for the climate control, so you know if you have it, if you tell it, you know I I need to leave at seven in the morning and I want the temperature at you know sixty eight degrees or seventy degrees, and it's all the cabin's already warmed up, then it probably will go in electric mode. Um, if you need to use the heat, then it's going to turn on the engine, uh, at least for a while uh, mm -hmm. until it generates enough heat. To heat the cabin, you know, and then it'll switch over to electric mode. Um, you know, I don't think it, you know, the, I mean, the battery is going to work fine, you know, at sub freezing temperatures. Uh, it doesn't need to be kept warm. Obviously, it'll work better. You'll have more range if it is warm, mm -hmm. but, you know, it'll still work. So I think it's more about heating the cabin than heating the temperature or heating the battery. Um, they have had some recalls on these things. Um, and, you know, Chrysler's had some quality issues, uh, but you know, it's still, still a great vehicle. I, I mean, I haven't had one in, if I've had one in the winter and I'm trying to remember, I don't think I've had one recently. Um, even though I've driven it quite a bit, I don't remember being an issue where it would not pop into EV mode, but I, I, I thinking it's going to be, you know, it's not, 
it just has to warm up a little. It's not like you're going to have to drive like yeah. 150 miles in a typical vehicle, even when they do have an EV button. It, yeah, it's going to be five or 10 minutes. Right. You know, just, it's, it's just enough to warm up the engine. It's a short amount of time and it will just kick over. If you like try to press the EV button, it was like, nope, sorry, can't do it right now. Too cold. You know, or it's, you know, it'll say like cabin cooling and heating or whatever. It won't let you do it, but it doesn't take long. So I'd imagine that even if it was excessively cold, if you can't use it right away, even during that short drive route, because it sounds like you don't do a lot of driving, then you're still going to get a good amount of hybrid use out of it, even if there is going to be more gas use during the cold winter months. And then, you know, the uh, the Toyota Sienna, the current gen Sienna is hybrid only. There's mm-hmm. no just regular gas version of the, of the Sienna. One big advantage, you know, if you're concerned about uh, cold weather driving, you know, I'm presuming you live somewhere where it's, you know, where it gets snow and stuff and you might actually want all wheel drive and you cannot get the Pacifica plug-in yeah. hybrid with all wheel drive. It's front wheel drive. Uh, it's, Cause it's Whereas, the other Pacifica has all wheel drive. Yeah. So, but right. you can get the Sienna with either front or all wheel drive. Um, so the, you know, that might be a better option for you. Now, while I greatly applaud, you know, your, your recognition that a minivan is the best family hauler <laughs> uh, form factor. Um, you know, there are some other options um, for plug-in hybrids um, in the crossover space. The Kia Sorento is available as a plug-in hybrid. Um, the Hyundai Santa Fe, you know, and the Sorento is a two and a half row. You know, it's got a third row. It's, it's a little on the small side. Uh, but the the Santa Fe um, is also available as a plug-in hybrid. So depending on on how much size you need, there there are some options there for plug-in hybrids um, in the the crossover segment. Yeah, get the minivan instead. Yeah, definitely. Just get a minivan. Awesome. Just do so it. Much Just room. Get the minivan. So much room for activities. Yeah, yeah. So if you're concerned about about reliability and quality with the the Chrysler, just get the Sienna Hybrid. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, Sam Greenwood. Um, what are some good automotive news sites? All the ones I write for. <laughs> <laughs> just straight up automotive news, like newsy news. Like that's a tough I guess, question. Yeah. You want like which executive has just left or been named to the board of blah blah blah, or do you want a review of a like, vehicle? Yeah. So hardcore, like like in the weeds, like business stuff it's the site is actually called automotive news yeah <laughs> it's truly it that's yeah. the one that gives auto you news, all the autonews.com i think yeah. of autonews. is kind of automotive news is kind of the like the wall street journal of the car world it's just that's, all yeah. that's details, a good way to you know? describe it yeah yeah it's it's you there it does have a subscription so you'll get like one or two uh, articles and then after that you got to give them a little a little something something a little if you want to get all yeah yeah um but but you know, on the uh, other hand you know that 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 does help them pay for a lot of good journalism. You know, they they pay their reporters well, and they they hire they they have a lot of people on their staff. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and they've been they, hiring people. So, yeah. you know that if you, you know support if you want good, good news, you gotta yeah, you gotta you gotta pay. They pay really well for for freelancers. I haven't written anything for them, but they told me what they pay, and it was good. <laughs> That's yeah. good. <laughs> um, yeah. So automotive news. Uh, if if you're looking for like enthusiast site, there's the drive. Of course, there's also, you know, car and driver, road and track, motor train. Those have been, those three are sort of the, the big three for like a I thousand like motor years. One. I think motor one gives good, a good motor combination one, yeah. of like 
reviews and news and fun stuff. They have a good balance. Yeah, Motor One's Motor really One. good. I like that. I've written for Motor One too, so. Samesies, Samesies, which is not why I was pimping it out, but I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the team over Motor One, they're nice people. They do some good stuff. For them, there's a lot of actually really good uh, good sites out there. Um, if you like some snark, some snark in there, you know, there's always the Autopian and, and Jalopnik. Yeah, Autopian Jalopnik. I know there uh Autopian's a little bit more uh enthusiast in the weeds. Like there was a whole mm-hmm. article about why uh the the uh carbureted beetle and the fuel injected beetle had different um horsepower ratings. Oh, and it has to be it has and it has to do with how the, the, the ratings were were measured. And by the time the uh, fuel injected beetle came out, they had changed the way they anyway, I loved it, but it's like that's like you know, that's like super nerd car nerd and and sort of first person stuff is the Autopian and, and Jalopnik is sort of like that, but they're they're getting a little bit more uh less um bratty kid. And that's because of the, the less new bratty EIC. kid. I love yeah. that. The new that. ownership. Yeah. The new, the, yeah. okay. And then the, the, the new EIC, Bob over there, Bob's great. Um I think I I I'm really I've written for them too. Yeah. There you go. So all right. There's some good there's some good uh, strangely enough, nobody places. nobody mentioned my alma mater autoblog. Autoblog's oh, good too. I didn't think yeah, about I like Autoblog. Autoblog has a ton of news. <laughs> yeah. Autoblog's really good. Yeah, they do I mean, a ton of news. Yeah, yeah, they do a ton of news. So, like, just things that are happening during the day. Check out the old Autoblog. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Jeff D asks, "Hey guys, thought of a question. Sam and Nicole can probably answer this best since Robbie lives in the warm climates. So sit back and relax, Robbie. You can. <laughs> oh, just, I'm gonna have a pina well, colada have a drink by or my... something. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rav4 Prime, how well does the heat pump system work in the frigid cold of like 20s and below in the dead of winter? Does it warm up fast? Will it work in full EV mode? Or does the engine kick on when it's that cold anyway? Um, We have a deposit down on a Prime for my wife, and I'm concerned her first complaint will be that it doesn't get warm enough in real cold cold weather. Do you have any experience? Well, I have not driven a RAV4 Prime in winter weather, so I don't know. Have you had one? No, you know what? I have not driven one or the I've driven it when it's cool, but not like this frigid, like, oh gosh, things are not going to work because it's too cold weather. Um, but I think it's, it's sort of the same kind of what we were talking about with the Pacifica hybrid a second ago, you know, the heat pump, a heat pump is going to warm something up. Um, it's going to make it a little more quickly that you're going to be able to, to, you know, be an e like drive it like an EV and it's going to be fine, but it's, you're still going to notice, I guess, performance issues when it's cold. Initially, it takes a few seconds for electric anythings to kind of find their footing when the weather is cold. Will they still work? Yes. Are you going to notice that it's not as great as when it was a nice balmy 70 degrees? Yep. You are going to notice the difference, but I don't think it's a difference that's so big that you think, oh God, I can't even drive this because it's wintertime and it's horrible. I don't think that happens. Yeah. And I think, you know, 20s and below, you know, I mean, if, if you're getting down towards zero, um, you know, a heat pump you know, is going to have limited capability there mm-hmm. in terms of generating or, you know, getting getting the heat. Um, and so most likely, um, you know, if you've got the heat turned on in those conditions, it's like I said, it's going to be like the Pacifica. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to run the engine for a few minutes until the engine warms up generates you know heats up the coolant you know and then the heat then it can shut off and the heat pump can take that and and get the get the heat from that into your cabin um so it will be more efficient um you know it's yeah 
it's probably it's probably not good. Let's put it this way: it's not going to warm up any slower than a hybrid Rav Four or you know any yeah. other comparable vehicle. Exactly. It, it's not like you're going to get something else that does so much better. Like, well, I went with this one. If I gone with that other guy, nope, you're going to sort of notice that same performance issue, no mm. matter which one you go with. All right, last one from Todd One Eleven. Um, I have a question for the podcast. Uh, I have a base 2023 Subaru Forester, which has physical knobs for the HVAC and stereo. Yeah. Being able to to operate (laughs) the stereo and HVAC without taking my eyes off the road was one of the reasons we chose this SUV over some of the others in its class. I've heard the topic of knobs and buttons versus haptic and screens discussed, but I can't get a definitive answer. Well, then there is a definitive answer. Knobs and buttons are better. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, many journalists claim that getting rid of <laughs> buttons is a cost-saving measure, but I've heard others claim that manufacturers do it more for aesthetic reasons. Of course, we've also heard some manufacturers add back buttons and buttons, uh, knobs and buttons, um, after complaints from consumers and journalists. I'm wondering, do manufacturers really save that much money by eliminating physical controls? And if so, how much? Or is it oh, more gosh. of a push by designers who think it looks cool aesthetically? I'd enjoy hearing everyone's takes on this topic. Thanks for the weekly entertainment. So, yes, it does save a significant amount of money. The cost of engineering all those individual knobs and switches and buttons, as well as, you know, you've got to have, um, you know, wiring going to every one of those controls. Um, You know, that complicates the assembly process. There's more parts that have to be built um, and put together. Um, engineering and validating all that stuff, you know, making sure that, you know, it's going to continue, those things are going to continue to work properly uh, for 100, 150,000 miles of use. You know, um, it's that, that does add cost. And that is probably, I would say, I think when Tesla started doing that, when they launched the Model S, I think that that was actually their, their primary reason for doing it. Uh, to get that cost out of there, you know, more recently, you know, certainly other manufacturers appreciate the cost savings, mm-hmm. but they've also heard from consumers that mistakenly like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, you know, there, there's obviously some aesthetic reasons for wanting to do that. Uh, but cost is really the, I think the biggest driver. Yeah, it's it's because and you don't have to regionalize because you can just regionalize software mm-hmm. where you don't have to like oh we got to make well in this country we probably need to change the words on this or we got to make this you know and this it's just a lot of there's a lot of money involved and if you can reduce the money but the fact that people are complaining like I complain and 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 hopefully Todd one 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 or one eleven or eleven one whatever Todd, Todd Anytime I get in a car, Todd, one hundred and eleven, one hundred eleven. There's Maybe some he's sort 111. of physical control. One. Okay, sorry, I got on a tangent. Okay. <laughs> anyway, physical controls are better because, like, because, like you said, you can like because you have muscle memory of where yeah. that control is all the time. You always know, oh, this is the 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 HVAC. This is the the volume control. Everything's there. Whereas if you do that with, I mean, you can get the muscle control as they, you know, they start certain of making sure the HVAC is always up like the climate controls, but mm-hmm. you're still bouncing around. You don't have anything to grip. So now you're, you're, you're setting your, like your thumb or something against something on the dash in order to push a, a push a, you know, a fake button to push up a, a piece of glass in order to change the temperature. Whereas if you could just like turn something, 
You're like, I can grab it and turn it. My hand mm -hmm. doesn't bounce around as I hit a bump or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, if you're driving something like a VW ID4, you know, where it's got that little ledge at the bottom of the screen that's got the touch controls for the volume and, and temperature on there. You know, when when you're going to hit something on the screen, you inevitably end up, you know, bracing your, you know, using your thumb or one of your fingers to brace your hand on that as you're bouncing around and then hitting some other control in, instead of the one you actually meant to hit on the screen. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the haptic stuff, you know, like what Nissan's got in the Aria works reasonably well. Um, you know, especially the, the ones that are on the console, um, mm -hmm. you know, because you're not reaching out to hit those, you know, you still have to look down at them to find them because you can't do it by feel. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at least, you know, you, you do get some feedback that, yeah, it's registered that you've pressed that, that control. So that, that's, that helps, but I'd still rather have physical controls. I'd rather have physical controls. Uh, if I could, I just like, you know, when you have to. They've got them on the steering wheel and I'm forever like, which button am I hitting? Wait, this is the volume. No, wait, that's the track on the audio. Wait, crud. If I could have just like reach over and well, flip a volume button and, you know. Yeah. And, and especially, you know, if they're trying to use, you know, a few limited physical controls for multiple uses, um, like, you know, like Tesla does and like Rivian does. I've got an R1S in the driveway right now and, you know, they've got the you know, rollers and roller and rocker controls on each spoke of the steering wheel that are, there's no labels on them. And I am so, not a fan of the multiple things doing yeah. different things, depending on what mode you're in. Cause I forever think that's what I want to reach to, to Am I in the right off. mode? No. Yeah. No, no, and no. you're like, Oh, I'm turning, <laughs> I'm turning the volume up. Nope. I just turn the heat up to like lava temperature. Oh, wait, it's, it's confusing. It's, it's yeah. not intuitive at all. Just give me a button that does a thing or a knob that does a thing. That's what mm -hmm. I want. That's yep. what I want. Mm -hmm. yeah, totally agree. <laughs> All right, Team Todd, 11, 111. <laughs> one, 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 team. How do you say, I need to know, I don't know, one, 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 11, 11, one, 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 oh, I don't know. I don't know what this name is. <laughs> it's too confusing. Todd, Nicholas, confusing name. Don't be a Volkswagen. Okay. Team Todd. <laughs> just say Team Todd. Team Todd. <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.